Hi, Mage fans. This is your host, Terry Robinson, with Mage the Podcast, and I have a pair of distinguished guests joining me today in my virtual studio to discuss projects Mage and not Mage. The first is B. Dave Walters, a multifaceted and multi-talented participant in the world of RPG media and well beyond. Uh, he's the writer and co-creator of Electropunk, Dungeons & Dragons, A Darkened Wish for IDW Comics, creator and DM for The Darkened Wish Stream Show with Wizards of the Coast, Baron Victor Temple on Vampire the Masquerade LA by Night. I was going to include a joke about how you did every game in New York City except for Changeling, and then I found out you did a Changeling actual play. And I did, I was, it's true. Yeah, I was going to make a joke about the Duchy of Floppy Pizza, but that, <laughs> that's that's already been done. In addition to that, also joining is Tanya DePass, and a founder of director of I Need Diverse Games, a not-for-profit organization based in Chicago, which is dedicated to better diversification in all aspects of gaming. I rattled these things off very quickly. All of them will be in the show notes. B-Dave and Tanya, thank you so much for joining. We'll dive in with the World of Darkness angle. I first encountered a writing credit with the Agents Dossier, the supplemental book for uh, Technocracy Reloaded, which is important not just because it's a technocracy book, but because it beat Cult of the Blood Gods. And I think that's the only reason why we're getting more mage books. Uh, mage fans don't have many dots in retainers, but we have dots and resources in Cult. Uh, so how did you get connected with Technocrat Project? You know, I kind of think of myself as a reformed Akashic brother that, that learned the enlightenment of technocratic reason. I was just l lucky to do it. I've been fortunate to work with Dawkins on a few things over the last couple of years. We were working on Werewolf for a little while before that, that project went a different direction. And uh, it was right after Werewolf um, that he was like, hey, do you want to come work on this? And I was like, yes, yes, I would <laughs> to, to get a chance to help sort of I won't say bring the technocracy into the 21st century, but to to put a different face on them and their motivation, because even I'm running a technocracy stream as we speak. That's the fifth chapter of our New York game. We've already done Vampire, Werewolf, Mage, Wraith, or Changeling, and Wraith, and now we're doing Mage. And they chose technocrats, having never played Mage, when I explained them to them both sides of it, because I was like, you guys have basically spent the last year making messes Here's the cleanup crew, you know? Um, and I can't wait for your mummy chapter of that project. I know it's going to be huge. Uh, well, all what? 17 people that remember mummy are exactly. going to be like, super pumped about that one. I always wanted the uh, the Mage April Fuels episode to be our continuing series of the Mage book reviews. That way we could be done in two years or three if we decided to include the LARP book. Um, <laughs> I will say in my Patreon, because I, I, ran, I ran about 35, 40 games a month for Patreon for about 18 months, and the mummies were a massive, massive massive problem in that but uh that was because they you know as you're as they are want to do so that was uh that was a fun time when you have seven thousand year old people running around with stamina eight weird things can happen they're like vampires mm -hmm. but they can be out during the daytime so basically uh, it really complicates things uh mm -hmm. introducing mage to new players uh, what do you feel was the big attraction to the technocracy it seems to be uh, a more and more common direction for both table play and for live stream and actual play versus uh, tr the traditions which was kind of the default for the longest time i just explain it to the pe uh, to people as i'm like mage is the matrix and would you rather be Neo and his group or would you want to be Agent Smith and his group? And then when they go down that binary, then I sort of explain all the rest of it to them. But I think most people between Men in Black, the X-Files, I think the appeal of 
now moving past the technocracy being something other than NWO and hit marks, just mm-hmm. black suited men that just show up and people vanish, which you still can play. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, realizing there's def- there's some some subtext to that. And quite frankly, they're not wrong. The reality deviants are dangerous. The hemophagic entities are dangerous. Like the humanity needs someone to protect them. And I, I think it, when you tell the story from that point of view, it resonates. And one of the elements I think you did for the Agents dossier was the best group in the technocracy, objectively, and I'm saying this not just because I'm an actuary, but Cassandra Complex and the Friends yes. of Courage. Um, yes! So Cassandra Complex, if I were to write down everything we had gotten about them so far, it would comfortably fit on a cocktail napkin. Agreed. Um, l- likewise, Fringe of Courage could probably fit on a matchbook. I know the text isn't out yet, but is there a general idea of the direction you decided to take those organizations? And what is it like writing essentially a conspiracy inside of a conspiracy inside of a conspiracy? I wrote both of those two, and I wrote the Challenge Fate Foundation also. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is a conspiracy within a conspiracy, and it very much is a group that you belong to without necessarily letting anybody else know that you belong to. Friends of Courage in particular very much leaned into the fact that it's like you don't know who the other Friends of Courage are, nor should you try and find out. <laughs> you know, because if too many of you end up in one place, that's probably bad. Um, yeah, it, it, it was... You know, I don't, I don't want to say too much, of course. It was just great to get to flesh out both of those modalities. And just the idea that, you know, from a tonal place, and hopefully this is not going to get, you know, laser beams uh, from Onyx Path hit marks all over my face right now. But the tone of this book is very much like, hey, so we won. We got everything we wanted and everything still terrible. So, huh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the dog that caught the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so all of these things are like, well, what does that mean now? And, and, and all three of my parts are essentially more of a can't we all just get along-ish approach. You know, the, the Challenge Fate Foundation is like, well, maybe we should use science to help people. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, you know. And then Cassandra Complex, the same thing is, you know, some of the we're going to we're going to need some of these reality deviants to help us. So and we can't just show up and be like, hey, we want to work together because they won't believe us. So here's how we can kind of slow boat them. Uh, and, and it kind of balances out both bringing them over to a point of cooperation. But there's definitely also an element of it is make them our cat's paws, you know? Okay. If we need to negate a reality deviant, that's cool. Maybe we just kind of sick these like unwitting kids on them. Kind of make sure they have a little, you know, it's like, by the way, uh, take this silver steak with you. Don't ask where it came from. <laughs> and maybe go in that building right there and see what happens. And then challenge fate is is the same thing. That It's like, to what extent has the Nefandic incursion become inescapable? To what extent is the shared awakening possible? You know, can the masses achieve enlightenment? And we're like, well, probably not our way or we'd have done it by now. And if that's true, what does that mean? Yeah. At current, the technocracy kind of represents the closest thing that we have to a unelected police force in the world of darkness. And you now have characters that are building, bringing an intense amount of power that has been arrogated to themselves because they think they are right and they are protecting something to them that is just and beautiful. That's a theme that's really easy to mess up 
and yeah. really step in it. Do you have any uh, recommendations to storytellers who are trying to gauge with those themes, especially through the technocracy? Don't shy away from it. Let let them believe that they have these high ivory towers of ideals and then twist it every way you can. Make everything they try to do come out terrible because it's still the world of darkness. It is still, you know, at the end of the day, storytelling games of personal horror. I mean, each of them have a slight twist on that, of course. But all things being equal, they are not stories of happy endings. They are not stories of shining nights. And you need to remind the, the characters of that. And, I, and I, I think a lot of that, it comes down to moral complexity, which a lot of these stories are at their best. That, if anything, that's the through line of all the World of Darkness supplements is that moral complexity. I think you, it, it helps if you have, you know, you represent the different uh, technocratic factions because obviously, you know, what an NWO person is going to want is different from an uh, IDX person is going to be different from Challenge Fate of to what extent are you trying to eradicate these opponents into what attempt are you attempting to bring them over to see the wisdom of your position because those are two different things and you know back in my day it was just agents and hit marks you know like the technocracy is here they're coming to kill everyone and probably going to succeed so we should go you know to to have there be something other than that prominently or at least attempting to have something other than that i think is very interesting and it also presents the opportunity for some inter order of reason conflict when we're trying to bring that conflict into our game the world of darkness attempts to be a world of moral grayness where a lot of the other games that seem to be super popular right now are not um, when yeah. I think of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition or Pathfinder or something like that moral ambiguity doesn't come to top of mind do you think that interest in playing with those kind of very contemporary questions and questions of morality is holding back the world of darkness in any way no and I think we're gonna see a sharp uptick in mage when the matrix comes out like, I mean, you Matrix 4, like, you cannot convince me the Wachowskis didn't play Mage. Like, there's literally nothing they could do <laughs> that would convince me that, that that wasn't the case. I think, you know, I've brought a lot of new people into these games. And Mage is tough in the sense that it is very crunchy. Once you get your head around the concept, the concept isn't difficult. The practical execution can be fairly challenging, especially when you play something like Werewolf. And it's like, hey, so turn into a werewolf and throw a truck at somebody and you're like all right you know it's like also you've got some gifts so you can burst into flames while you throw a truck at somebody it's like cool you know <laughs> whereas mage is a whole other thing i think changeling is the heaviest in terms of lore in understanding the world but mage is the heaviest in terms of comprehending the mechanics uh so that that can be a, a challenge at times but a buddy of mine who has the mage spheres tattooed on his hands that's how big of a fan he is on his knuckles he's got the spheres his he said multiple times he's like the the logical flaw of the world of darkness is if all of these things really truly coexist the technocracy wins and that's true you know where you're like ah, i'm a werewolf and it's like mm, you got silver blood now that sucks you know <laughs> like, i'm a methuselah ah the sun's out now that sucks yeah oh that's rough yeah <laughs> so that's uh to 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 be able to see what is rightfully an unstoppable force i think the only way you tell that story is you're right no one stopped you the plan worked but it didn't. Now what? Okay, so to you, the technocracy is fundamentally about getting what you want 
and the problems that kind of fall out the other side of that when maybe you haven't completely thought it through or your initial model of the world was maybe too simplistic? If anything, I think it's closer to being a parent where you can have every intention and you can do everything to the best of your ability and then the outcome is going to be what it is. And a lot of that is accepting the beauty and the individuality of that outcome, although the technocracy is neither interested in beauty or individuality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, its own kind of austere kind of beauty, seemingly. Uh, mm-hmm. As you as you mentioned, you've introduced a lot of people to mage. If there are first-time storytellers who their friends see one of your live plays and go, oh, oh, geez, I want to do that. That looks super cool. Uh, what recommendations do you have to bring that excitement and turn it into a game quickly? Or alternatively, if you were asked to help with a Mage 5th edition, what would you want to change? I would tell people ease into the rules. In a lot of my streams, I go very easy on the paradox because mm-hmm. I do a lot of cross-split play. And I encountered this and we'd be playing games that, you know, it's the 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 mages have to jump through all of these hoops to manifest their effects and manage their paradox in a way that all the others don't so ease into that and i think once people get their head around the fact that you can do anything like you can do anything there just may be repercussions like my favorite description is always a paradox is jiminy cricket with a chainsaw like you can reality itself will fight back against you and so the crazier of a thing you try to push the harder you will get an equal and opposite reaction and then that equal and opposite reaction may also manifest as some suited people showing up at your door. Yeah. Yeah. And if Paradox were to say, hey, we would like one more book to close out the 20th anniversary edition or something like that. Do you feel that there are any uh, game aids or materials or things that Mage could really use right now to try and reach out to that broader base? A very simple introductory adventure because there's all of the supplements and how do you do that and gods and monsters and all of that. But it's like... There's the book, which is like a phone book. You could kill a horse with that book. And then there's other quick start guides, but they're not really. Like Mm -hmm. everything you need is still not in there. Mm -hmm. So having been like, you know what? Here is a chronicle that you can play in like four sessions from you've all awakened. You're already awakened. Like you know each other in action. That's that would be my suggestion. Nice. Uh, Thank you so much for your input in that and for being an unending ambassador for the world of darkness when it's this in some ways, this weird relic that we're trying to figure out how to drag into 2021. Uh, Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, as I mentioned in the introduction, your work goes far beyond RPG media. I know you best as someone who has some fascinating tweets at around 11 p.m. my time informing me of whether or not chickens can can swim. So that's that's why I come to that. Um, In addition, uh, a couple of months ago, you were doing a Indiegogo project called Dear America from a Black Guy. Uh, What was that project? Or what is? Uh, it is still ongoing. Yeah, it's, it's a documentary. And I just realized a couple years ago, because it's kind of been germinating, that the, one of the big problems we had is just we don't talk to each other. There's half of this country has othered the other half of the country, and we both do it. I'm just as guilty as this. I mean, I refer to them as flyover states. I'm from Arkansas. I think Arkansas is a flyover state. And the, there can be no real progress until we become cognizant of one another's basic humanity it's like you and i may not agree on anything but can we just start with you're a person and i'm a person i got feelings you got feelings you know both of us want you know roof over your head food under your belly hopefully your children better off than you want to be safe you know what i mean like that that's you know can can we just build off of the things that we do have in common and 
Because if we're never going to have any hope of fixing the big problems, if we lose sight of just that. So the, the, the point behind the documentary is looking at not only where we are and how we got here, but hopefully having a framework by which we can just have some meaningful conversations. And again, it is not some rose colored, can't we all just get along type thing because it's been conclusively proven we cannot. It's still necessary to be able to at least have uh, a shared vocabulary because we're all on this ship together. And the extent to which we try and saw the ship in half to abandon the, the oh, those people, it's like, well, I got bad news for you, you know, <laughs> because now we're going to sink too. It's impressive the degree to which the history of enacting racism in the United States has been the process of white people shooting themselves in the foot, closing down community pools, cutting down community access programs because they didn't want them to have access yep. to, to what have it. What would you say the audience for that project is? Everybody. I mean, well, that would be, I mean, as a, as a marketing guy, trying to appeal to everyone is the same as trying to appeal to, to no one. one. So so I, I, I have a target demographic. But unfortunately, I think it's one of those things that the people that need to see it most won't watch it. Mm -hmm. But it is very easy to dismiss the Fox News viewers as being misinformed and gullible. But that didn't happen in a vacuum. And the reason why that level of ignorance perpetuates itself is because it is predicated on fear and divisiveness and you being so afraid that they're coming for you they're coming for you you know in the extent that you have to understand it's like i mean but we're not though and i'm like we don't want to be in nebraska or we would be like it's there now like we all know where it is we're not interested you know like nobody's coming to take your farm man like that's everybody just wants peace and safety and healthcare and education would be great, you know, but I mean, just, I truly believe in my heart, not just as human beings, human beings in general, but Americans, even specifically, we really have more in common than we don't. We really agree on more than we don't. And the zealots are at the fringes. And I think a lot of times we, we get overly preoccupied with the loud my fringe minority and lose track of the fact that for the most part a lot of us are on the same page about a lot of things and trying to build off of that thank you for sharing that if people are interested in following that project is that something that people can still jump in on or do we just wait until the final thing comes out you sure can if you go to my twitter at b dave walters there's a pin post right at the top with a link to the documentary and my graphic novel project you can check either one i'd appreciate any and all signal boosts and you absolutely can still back the process because it's still in motion it has shifted radically twice already because pending how the election had gone it was a very different, <laughs> different documentary yeah and then after january 6th it became a very different documentary you know so it's it, it, trying to be agile with the times here yeah once again i'd like to reintroduce tanya one of the lead developers for the Into the Motherlands project, which is this, what to me appeared to be an Afrofuturist RPG plus uh, media streaming combo experience that is now going into, I, I think it, it was listed as the second season. What is the Into the Motherlands project? Well, the, the Into the Motherlands is is twofold, but, but B-Dave is our lead developer. I'm the creator and creative director. So it is an Afrofuturist sci-fi RPG. It's a brand new IP. It's a brand new setting. It came out of out of the brain meets after B. Dave and I knew that we'd have this opportunity to get funding from Twitch for the stream show. So the stream show is in its second season. But we knew that we were going to put out a book. We knew from day one that this was not just going to be an actual play show. It was going to be 
eventually people will have the motherlands book in their hand and so we created this world we created this setting that is free from colonialism and slavery and we created a world where we had to go back to the 14th century to pluck people that have never been encumbered because i keep wanting to say shackle but i'm like that's a terrible word wordplay by colonialism and slavery and also for the one smart ass who asked oh didn't Mansa Musa be part of the slave trade he was dead before the Atlantic slave trade so you should pick up a history book but we couldn't pluck people from the modern day and say okay we've had enough we're leaving earth because we all have dealt with colonialism and slavery and everything else so we went back got the actual expedition that he did send off that you know, historically just was never found again. But we said, hey, here's all these people that they just timey-wimey, they got there. Because I don't know that mechanism because I'm also on the show. So I'm trying to keep that thin veil of not getting spoiled, but also being the developer. We wanted the world that we wish we'd seen when we were younger. And I probably have butchered that entirely because I've been talking all day. So I will leave that to a be Dave to clean up for me because I have a hard time with words right now. No, you you hit it all. At the end of the day, all of these stories are about having a world that you would want to go and get lost in, having a world that you would want to be a part of. And we're trying to paint that picture of that that is one of our, our guiding principles was just asking what's the game that you know 10 year old you needed what was the rep representation that you required because everybody needs to see themselves reflected in these media both as hero and as villain to have something to aspire to and away from and and be able to put on those different masks for themselves i think to continue with the world of darkness thing i think a lot of the strength of the world of darkness is it says something about this modern world because it is this world you know the store that's over there is over there you know that mall is there you know like there might be some slua down in the sewers underneath you know that have a, a an uneasy alliance with the nosferatu but it's the galleria you know for this we're doing something very different in making our statements about the world and our place in it by the setting that we're painted and even things like the the mechanics like there is no attribute system it is all based on skills and values it is what is your character is personally good at and what's important to them because we didn't want race-based stat adjustments because what tends to come up in that sort of thing is the fair-skinned people tend to be the smarter wiser ones and the darker-skinned people tend to be the strong brutish ones usually not always and those are things that, that we didn't want to perpetuate uh you know one of our alien species the hyenol are a hyenid race that look like anthropomorphic hyenas and you're like oh they must be monsters and killers it's like actually they're not they're engineers and philosophers that you know like we we try and subvert all of of those expectations at every turn and it was woven into the very fabric of the game and the experience that that'd be how it is and hyenas are also notable for being one of two species that is capable of cat loafing besides the domestic cat so that's kind of an important thing to get in there um mm -hmm. important. So this is based on essentially an alternate history that the the Western expedition sent out by Mensa Musa in what was it the uh, the 13 14th century here yeah, yeah, yeah something like that into the Atlantic Ocean yep. never arrived and right. you were taking that as your starting point and those people went somewhere else that expedition never arrived what is that right. 
other place. Because my immediate thought here as a mage player is anytime we now have a, a weird phenomenon that can happen in the world that is magical, it can happen again. And also that just screams Umbral Realm to me or some sort of tear in the horizon. In this case, they were transported to another physical planet far away. And by the time our game starts, 2000, another 2000 years have passed. So they have fully integrated into this society and other cultures have risen up from this. There's been a very interesting thought experiment of if placed in this environment, what kind of survival strategies would people engage in? And there are the uh, the people, Musalians that are you know, identifiably, identifiably biologically human. Like if you took a DNA test, they're like us. There's the Hyenol, like I said, the 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 hyenids. You know, there's there's uh, Monsagene, which are cyborgs that have gone so far as they're essentially sentient AIs now. Like they might not even be human in 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 the way that we think of it anymore. The Salansi, that are human plant hybrids that have you know completely enmeshed themselves in the natural world. There's a, another culture that has a, a, that has become a symbiotic with another indigenous kind of energetic species, uh, the, the Mesogai, that they're now, you know, greater than the sum of their parts. And there's going to be some other ones. And we, and we referred to that expressly as cultures, not races, because I think a lot of times people think people of color are a monolith. And we're not. Not all brown people are the same. Not all black people are the same. And, and we even get that even in, in Eurocentric fantasy, where you're like, well, this is what the elves are like. And you're like, are you sure? All of them? Have you asked? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, this is how dwarves are. And you're like, really? And you're like, well, there's some evil ones that live underground. Oh, okay. You know, trying to get a little more nuance in there. Oh, yeah. It's like in sci-fi where everyone on a planet wears the exact same clothes. You're like, okay, exactly. this, is, this is a convenient shorthand. Well, and even though, you know, Star Trek is has been a bit of a touchstone for us, you know, in, in a legally distinct way, in the sense that, you know, it is a bright future driven by exploration and not, you know, desperation or greed or conquest. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in Star Trek, what you see is societies being advanced is equal with them being homogenous. That is one of the that's one of the founding principles of before you can even get into the Federation is, you know, your your world unity or whatever, everyone being the same. That's not necessarily the what I hope for in the future. The diversity of our world and our cultures is a beautiful thing. What we need is equality, not everybody being homogenous. So I, as someone who does not have the same cultural touchstones that would make sense for this game for me, just out of the box, these are uh, these are pulling on maybe cultural references that I'm not familiar with. Do you have any recommendations for me as a white guy on how to approach this game and make it a fulfilling experience for me and to do it justice. Open the box and play it. This is an all new IP. There's no cultural touchstone for anyone specifically to get. Yes, the team that's making it is all black and people of color. And yes, we've heavily put in references to black and POC culture and everyone on the team has contributed something from their own culture and background. But here's the thing, and this is going to sound mercenary and Dave will probably laugh. We like money. Hmm. We're not going to tell you, oh, you're white, you can't play the game, unless you want to be out of here and make a caricature versus a character. But there is nothing stopping anyone white from picking up this game and playing it once it's in your hands. What we want people to do, though, is to be respectful. And just like with D&D, if I say I'm going to make my character a Black human, cool. If you're not a Black human in real life, but can you do that without relying on tropes and stereotypes and making them a caricature of some step and fetch it 
that doesn't know how to read, they're ignorant, they're dark skinned and stupid or whatever. And also most of the humans are going to be Musalians. And this is two to 3000 years after the time they have landed on this planet. So there's a whole brand new freshly raked sandbox for everyone to play in. I did a stream the day after we announced the stream. I did a personal stream on my channel and talked about it. And someone really said, well, I'm white, can I play the game? And I was like, will you have money to go buy the game when it's out? That is the question. Because nothing about this game is, should be alienating to anyone. If you can sit down and play this game and enjoy it, that's the end product. Because we, we're not making this as some object lesson. We're not making this as, I played this game, now I understand Black issues. No, don't do that. But we are very intentional in the people that were picked to write the game and the people that are on the stream every week. And... We are creating joy. We are creating something that is for us and we are bringing it to other people because all the stories that get attention from black and brown creators are always stories of tragedy and woe and 12 years of slave and the green book and the green mile and all this other stuff. We laugh and joke. We enjoy ourselves on the show and telling those stories. And that's what we want people to pick up this book and do. There is no, as a white person, here's how you don't fumble because B. Daver, I'm not going to materialize behind you when you have this book and go, no, you're a terrible racist. You did it wrong. But think about what you're doing. If you've seen the stream, if you if you read the book and the foreword, and we're going to address it in the intro to the game as well, as long as you are respectfully playing the character and not creating some terrible tropey stereotype caricature, that's all we can ask. But we also can't control what people do once they get the book in their hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, this came up a lot around Black Panther time where I'd have white friends of mine that were like, is it okay if my kids dress up like you know, like black characters from Black Panther? And I'm like, absolutely. Uh, you know why? Because little black kids can dress up like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. Like, like joy and wonder is here for everybody. And anyone who attempted to even say that you're not allowed to or to gatekeep that, I'd be like, hey, so check this out. We're also not elves and dwarves dwarves and halflings and orcs and bugbears you know what i mean like we we take on these roles all the time anyway of course come play and have fun recent kickstarter coyote and crow did well mm -hmm. to understate it uh and one of the things that game includes is some recommendations for tropes to avoid and ways you can accidentally stick uh step in it as it were um this game is a new sandbox it's a new open place what mm -hmm. tools come in that box so i i backed the kickstarter i got my deluxe copy what in there is going to help me navigate through it is it something where i get 200 pages of rich information about culture uh and background and so on uh, what tools help me start that first game in the setting it is going to be a full and complete TTRPG from start to finish. Everything you need to play. The the, the rules, the setting, the context, everything. Uh, we'll have some safety and consent tools in there just because I think that's just responsible storytelling. But at the end of the day... It's going to be a whole book. Okay. And B. Dave is writing extra content for the deluxe edition, but it's all going to be one book. It's So let's just squash this. There is no separate rules. There are no separate setting and lore. It is a complete TTRPG you are going to get at the end of this Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah everything you need will be in there. Every about the cultures, the locations. Again, there is a deluxe edition. Yeah. Everything you need can be agree. And, and honestly, as we continue to unlock stretch goals, that's probably what the stretch goals are going to manifest as is more content okay. to just, you know, make the, make the book bigger and bigger, not mage 20 herniated back bigger. 
but just bigger. <laughs> Call that one the Widowmaker. A lot of trees died for that Kickstarter. A lot of trees Please. died for that Kickstarter. Yeah, man. It's not It's not a table weight. It's a table. It was kind of funny. I was talking with one of the devs for Exalted. I'm like, this book is pretty streamlined. They're like, no one has said that. And someone's like, he plays mage. They're like, oh. yup. yeah, as happens. Yup. As far as developing novel cultures, what is it like building with that canvas where you do not start with the presumption that the interactions between cultures are going to be fundamentally colonialist? A, a mistake we've heard some people making is assuming that without colonialism, there's no conflict. And that's not true. I mean, you, you still can compete over resources. You still can compete over ideologies, You, you perhaps violently. There's still plenty of things to fight over. It is just not a Eurocentric... Uh, manifest destiny expansionist reason to fight like we are not warring over you because we feel like we're chosen by god and are better than you so w w again like i was saying uh previously it it's been a thought experiment of what are the various ways that these cultures would develop free from some of the things that you know crushed and perverted cultures on earth what what do those expressions look like and it's been good because, you know, all the way up to when the stream started, all the way up to when uh, Bria's character joined, we were still adding professions to the list. That's one of the first conversations we had with people. It's like, here's some professions that we've kind of, you know, sketched out, but just what seems dope and we'll make it for you. I sat down with her and she's like, well, I kind of have an engineer in mind and I'd like her to be good at these things. And I was like, can do, <laughs> you know, and, and, and made it for her. Um, so that's been very liberating because we've, we've all worked on a lot of games and, you know, a lot of times you have your style guide and everything and, and the walls are high and thick of what you can and can't do. Uh, we don't have that. We mm -hmm. have some guiding tonal principles that we were, that we have been uh, guided by, but down the details of it, especially when you're talking about a, uh, a universe with many worlds in it, we can make almost anything make sense somewhere. So it's been a, it, it's really been an opportunity to let all the collaborators and contributors to just really let their emotions loose. So this will be able to bring in just about any story that one associates with science fiction, the complications of technologies, the difficulties of getting disparate cultures to cooperate, problems with research management, what it means to be human, and so on. Do you, do you feel? Yeah. 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 That's the hope. I mean, again, you know, to, to me, the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek, which I love different, I love deeply, but differently, is, you know, Star Wars is a world where evil is winning, Good is on its heels. Good is always on its heels. In, in the moment that you think good is winning, then a lot of internalized corruption comes up and then, oh, wait, here's bad back again. You know, that it, it's the, the, the struggle of the light is Star Wars. Star Trek is hopeful exploration in a better future. Like they're leading fundamentally good lives on the <laughs> Enterprise. Like they have problems, they solve their problems and they keep rolling. Like they're all out there because they want to be and see what's around the next corner. That is more, in a legally distinct manner, the vibe that we're after. That you're, you're, you're going new places and seeing new things because you want to. And you, know, you, you will encounter various entities along the way that may or may not want you there. And then, you know, things go where they go. <laughs> One of the things about that Star Trek-like setting is the idea of getting to be really competent at things. Is this a game where you can kind of do competence porn? Like, if I've played four or five sessions, what is that cool thing that I can tell my RPG friends that I did during a session? Kind 
kind of like the analog of, oh, I learned this level five spell or I mastered this new sphere. Are there any things like that that just create spectacular tableaus of ability and, and competence in the game? There are. So currently, the way the, the version of the game that's being played on the stream uh, is primed by Cortex. We're using the Cortex system. The final version of the book we put out may or may not use Cortex. Uh, we're blessed to have a lot of options, up to and including creating an all-new system. So we're going to have to decide what's the best way to manifest that. But in Cortex, with the, the current version, is you have things called story points. And it is akin to the storyteller system, not exactly, where you can cash in these story points to plot points, rather. You can cash in these plot points to do dramatic things. And each of the professions have their own talents that are powered by these plot points. So as you've accumulated these, largely through role play is how you encounter them, you essentially are almost powering up your meter for all intents and purposes until you can unleash this cool thing. Like for the Blade Keeper, the kind of character that Tanya plays, one of the things you can do, there's one where you can always go first, like always win initiative, no matter what. One where you can block any attack, no matter what. You know, anything coming at you, you will defend against. And, and you know, narratively, if that's the kind of thing where you wedge yourself in the hallway while everybody else is leaving and then activate that, you know, that's going to be pretty cool. And looking over the professions of the motherland, they're pretty badass. Uh, the Lightbringer, combat medic that channels the power their power through a sword or fist. I think we need more punchy medics in the world. I think that's a good thing. Uh, bio priest, android high priest healer that works with the techno deities. What are some of the things that you feel that World of Darkness people can just look through this for inspiration and try and bring into their own games? Uh, as mage players, we have access to the Umbra. We can bring in time travel. We have uh, Everett volumes that let us kind of switch to parallel realities. Is there anything that a World of Darkness player could look to this? for as a source of ideas or inspiration i would say even though you know ours is a, is a far future sci-fi book mm -hmm. but you know the high technology is a component of mage i would say more than anything is to bring in black excellence you know poc i mean not just the you know the the one african you know subgroup show some different kinds of people prominently you want to take something from this take that from it honor different kinds of cultural representation i mean i i could get into more minutiae but i think it really is more that challenge your own assumptions challenge your assumptions if you wish to do an honor to the baron of the valley that would be my request is that yeah Awesome. And I have peppered you with questions over the last almost 50 minutes. Um, are there any final thoughts that you would like to convey either about Into the Motherland, your experience in the RPG world, or anything you think our listeners should be aware of? Um, any other creator you'd uh, like our listeners to know about that I can throw in the show notes, either Tanya or B. Dave? I'm going to pass that to Tanya. I've said too much. Basically that remember this is new, but also remember that all of us working on this are more than competent. And what you're getting is a culmination of decades of experience and folks that, you know, we recommend you listen to is everyone involved with this project, everyone that B. Dave has worked with. I mean, just now, while we're chatting, Abria and Christina are having the most amazing love fest of appreciation in tweets started by a gift shared by Christina from the show. Remember that we are, we're here and soon, well, soon being next year. You too can run around on Vitoa. And for more information, go to motherlandsrpg.com. That link will be in the show notes. That also has a link to the Kickstarter and all of the contact information and social media presences for the amazing creative team behind this. Tanya, B. Dave, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome.
Thank you. Check out the Kickstarter if you can. Uh, if you can back it, back it. If it's not uh, within your means to do so, please signal boost. Uh, we will take it all. This has been Mage the Podcast, who bet big on Dante Coin and lost a shirt. So I guess we're going to have to do this podcasting thing a good bit longer. Our ill-thought-out venture in crypto was supported by Josh H., John Magnuson, Jenna F., John H., Chris Zach, William M., Neil Patterson, Christopher P., Buck Farmer, Anders S., Brendan, Dan Svensson, Jay Sunsern, Andrew E., William C., Isabella Castillo, Josh Golden, Michael Creedle, Freddie, Richard Bat Brewster, Bryce Perry, Andy, and Michael Parker. Our executive producer shout-out this week is to Josh H., who I think is Canadian, and I'd simply like to share that one of my life goals is to cover the entirety of the main route of the Trans-Canada Highway. It goes from British Columbia to Newfoundland and Labrador and covers the territories if you count the unsigned sections, which I really don't. It spans about 4,860 miles overall, or a mere 1,840 on the route I'd like to cover. What's interesting to me is the terminus in Victoria has a mile zero monument, and the terminus in St. John's has a mile one marker, making it a roughly 1,860-mile mile. If you'd like to become an executive producer like Josh H., get a chat color in Discord and have me make up something about you periodically, as well as receive our executive producer-only podcast, So What's Your Plan? You can become one by clicking on Become a Supporter in the show notes or through the episode entries on our webpage. If you super liked this episode or super didn't, drop us a line at magethepodcast at gmail.com or at magethepodcast on Twitter. We have a hop in Discord community at discord.me slash podcast. You can subscribe to our show on Spotify, Anchor, TuneIn, iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, or the podcatcher of your choice. If you like us, please give us a review on the platform if you're choosing or tell a friend about us. Also, get a page to the podcast for show notes and all of our previous shows. Now, go change reality. Bye.